BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. I'm your host, Sif, and I'm the founder of Icing and Glitter, which is a blog, Instagram page, and YouTube channel. Fall and Thanksgiving festivities are upon us, and let's be honest, it's all about food. If you're Canadian, Thanksgiving is done, but U.S. Thanksgiving is right around the corner. If you're anything like me, you probably enjoy the meals you have with friends and family, but the food baby is a price you probably don't want to pay. Well, guys, I'm here to tell you that food babies are a thing of the past thanks to Array's bloat alchemy capsules. Okay, so I have two to three capsules after a heavy meal and my food baby fully disappears. The great thing is it's an all-natural product, which is organic, filler-free, and straight-up good for you. Use the code DREAMBIGGER at checkout for 10% off. Now, let's talk about today's guest. She is a true force of nature. I am talking about Taryn Toomey, fitness expert and founder of her eponymous workout class by Taryn Toomey. If you've ever been to one of her classes, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a safe space to cry, make noise while sweating hard. Not only is she an incredible instructor, she's also a super savvy entrepreneur. I mean, everyone knows about her classes. She's been featured on Goop, Vogue, Well and Good, and has a large list of celebrity fans. Just Google Taryn Toomey and you'll know what I'm talking about. This is an interview I'm so excited about and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. So with that, let's welcome Taryn to the Dream Bigger podcast. Okay, Taryn, so let's talk about your background. First off, where'd you grow up? Tell me about your childhood. Uh, Okay, so I grew up uh, in New England for the most part. I was born in New Jersey, and I moved to Connecticut, upstate Connecticut, Bloomfield, Connecticut, to be specific, um, when I was in third grade. And then from there, I kind of bounced around a bunch. So I moved to Florida, and then back to Connecticut, Florida again, and then to Long Island, Florida, Long Island, New York. Landed in New York. I've been here for about 18 years. Wow. With a two-year blip in between in Boston. But... Um, childhood was spent pretty much bouncing around. I was in four different high schools in four years and all that goodness that creates a strong, resilient kind of human being. So yeah, it's definitely bounced around. Yeah, you've been all over the place, I feel. So was fitness and wellness a big part of your life while growing up? Yeah, I was always into sports from early age. I remember playing soccer when I was in middle school and um, I played field hockey, lacrosse, I would mountain climb, I was just, I played volleyball, I was always into movement, and when I was 17, I started working out at a gym and running consistently, less about the sports, but more about the fitness aspect of it, 
And I met uh, this gentleman down in Florida, whose name was Saul, and he introduced me to this woman, Holly, who was the fitness director at the gym. And I really wanted to teach step aerobics, as one does when you're 18 and living in Florida. And he convinced her to teach me how to do it without getting certified. So I started teaching step aerobics when I was 18, and the rest is history. So I feel like it's just been in your like blood yeah. for a very long time, and it was sort of inevitable that you started your own fitness company yeah I from an early age I remember feeling the impact uh, emotionally even though I was probably not so aware of that's what it was um, that there was a, a response that I would have where I was able to feel less out of my body I was always a very um, kind of active kid in, in classes. I mean, these days they would probably call it ADD or who knows what diagnosis they would give it to you, give you. But I knew when I was in school, sometimes I would have my friends like, give me a hand massage to be able to pay attention or vice versa. Things where there was any sort of feedback into my body would ground me. So I've always used that as a way to get really clear, especially when I was confused or stressed out. Uh, yeah, early on. I love that. So did you go directly from step aerobic to the class or were you did you have like a separate career path talk to me about that yeah no bit. I mean I started teaching step when I was 18 and I'm 40 now so there's <laughs> definitely a couple couple years in between there um but the no I, I taught step and then I started really training I I learned so much about the body back then I was working with that guy Saul um I was reading so many books I got certified in a couple different ace and AFA, um and I really just started educating myself and I lost probably about 15 pounds during that time um, and just got myself into a comfortable kind of feeling inside my body I was always a little bit um, always dealt a little bit with some weight stuff when I was younger younger I mean it was in my my teens you know uh, so I figured out a way to feel better in my body by working out as one usually does but early on uh, from there, I consistently worked out. I don't think there was ever a period of time since then where I wasn't using some form of movement or exercise to recalibrate my system and stabilize myself. Um, and then, let's think. So then I moved, oh, in Florida. So I was in Florida. I went down uh, to get a job at, I wanted a job at Ralph Lauren. This is going to be a long story. Do no, you want go, long for story? go for it. I wanted to get a job at the Ralph Lauren store. It, and I went into the store and they were like, who are you? And please walk out now. <laughs> and I went down the street. I remember it. It felt like a pretty woman moment, big time. I mean, I was bleaching my own hair and I, I get it ish. But um, and I walked down to this store called Touche and it had like leopard print, print floors and they were selling these ostrich skin handbags. And they were like, yeah, we'll hire you for 10 bucks an hour. I mean, I was always a little kooky, um, but I loved fashion and I always had a really interesting sense of style. So. I ended up going up to the Southampton store with them, and that just did not work out. So I went to uh, the East Hampton town to try to find another job, and I was sitting on the park bench, and this woman that worked at the HR in the HR department of Ralph Lauren was getting off the jitney, and she saw me interviewing for a job. I walked in the Ralph Lauren store, and she said, were you just interviewing for a job? We really need someone. So I started working in the Ralph Lauren store up there, which was so crazy. It's because very full circle. I always, and... Then I ended up moving down to their Florida store to work seasonally with them and then went back to Long Island, East Hampton, and then moved to the New York for a job in their corporate office and then just started climbing the corporate ladder there. So I worked there for about seven years um, and then jumped ship from there and went to Dior 
And the whole time I found myself running away from the desk to try to get some movement in and go to yoga at the end of the day. And I just, that was always something that I, I was aware of that I could not wait to move. So I was pretty unhappy at Dior just because I was in the wrong line of work. I was an account executive, so I was just dealing with spreadsheets and Excel sheets and all the things that really didn't fulfill the creative side to me and decided to do a yoga teacher training for a month and then figure out a way to go back to Ralph Lauren. And I did the yoga teacher training and I was like, let me give it a couple months here and just hit the ground and see if I can actually make something of this. And then um, we ended up getting moved to Boston. I didn't have any children at the time. So I moved up to Boston and just started teaching yoga up there. Thank goodness that I was had the yoga under my belt. Otherwise, I probably would have been a little bit bummed out about moving with Ralph Lauren or leaving that job. Lo and behold, taught up there for two years, moved back to New York 10 days before I had my first daughter. Uh, and then one of my mentors passed away a couple years later and I was just trying to heal some grief inside of me that I was really struggling with. So for uh, almost two years, I started teaching what is now the class with no name in the basement of my building. Just was gathering people around and we were moving and breathing and talking about things that were going on in a vague way, which is what we do now in the class. And it just grew from there. So organic. Yeah, I mean, it was never supposed to be where it is now. I mean, I guess... You can't say supposed to be because I was just in the flow of offering something that people that resonated with people. So I'm very grateful for it. But that's why it's named the class. I just it never had a name. It was like I love it. Come to the class. I know? love it. I mean, it's I feel like it just goes back to your roots. Yeah. yeah. So for someone who isn't familiar with the class, um, could you give them a description of what exactly it is? Because it is such a unique concept, and I've just never experienced anything else like it. Yep. Um, well. The whole intention of it is to intentionally engage discomfort in the physical body, close the eyes, and watch what the mind does around the feeling. So acknowledging the brain is an organ, it has a function, it creates thought, it's doing its job. So there's a part of you that's hearing the thought, and you have the ability to interrupt any thought. So it's awareness, and then we say, let's begin, and we repeat one movement for the entire song, so there's no choreography, so you don't have to look around and... You know, you simply watch your behavior around the feeling. As the intensity grows, what does your mind say about the feeling? And then we work through a series of, um, it's the, the class is designed very specifically to go through a series of contraction and expansion, and we use music as a way to get in to places where you feel joy, where you feel sadness, where you feel fill in the blank, right? We're working through the gamut of emotions in there. And the essence of the class is that you don't have to do any of it. So there's a couple components involved, right? There's the physical, there's the mental, there's the music, and then there's the ability to tell students that this is a safe space, you can leave if you want, you don't have to do any of this, it's an invitation. So the, the combination of those things generally offer up a space for people to feel free enough that they can trust themselves to go into a space of awareness, and then the music allows people to get a little bit lost in it, and then you're sculpting your physical body so you become strong in the container that you live in, but you're using it to become aware of thought. And then from that space, we invite students after a, a period of time to continue to go back. When else have you had that thought? About what? When did that thought begin? Continue to go back. And we try to find the entry point, understanding that we're just conditioned humans, right? We're conditioning our behavior by repeating it. So it becomes a somatic experience. We're using the physical body to get there and then tracking it. And then eventually we use sound. People are 
making some guttural noises, but the music's so loud that you don't hear it or feel weird about it. You know, a lot of people are, ha, ha, you know, as you're bringing something up, essentially to unplug it from you in, in, in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so unique because it is an insane workout. Like, I, I went the last time I was in New York and I was, like, sweating. Mm. But at the same time, it was this, like, surge of emotions. And I've spoken to people who have cried in the class. And it's, I mean... Uh, it's really truly like I, I can't explain it to other people but I just say like you need to go to this class because you'll never experience anything like it so when did you realize like when I guess you were coming up with the concept of the class like when did you realize that you could bring out that sort of emotion in people well it's not really that I'm bringing the emotion up in people or it's like I guess I'm, creating that space I'm creating a container for them yeah. to feel safe enough to allow themselves to feel as opposed to think. Mm -hmm. So that's really what we're doing, understanding the difference between thought and feeling. And when you acknowledge thought as a thought from the brain and a feeling as something that you're feeling, and then you give yourself permission to feel it, that's when these kind of emotional responses come up. So it's funny, people will say to me all the time like, uh, and this and that, and you did this and you did that, and I always say, no, no, it's not me. I'm just creating a container for people to feel comfortable enough for them to experience these parts of themselves. Yeah, know? I mean, it's like therapy. That's yeah. why I say everyone well, needs moving, to go. You know, and yeah. I think that's why, for me, I'm just, I'm just offering out what I've learned through my own self-study of what's worked for me through a variety of so many different traditions that I've studied in my life and just offering these things in a movement practice because I find that if you're moving and you're breathing and you're listening and I'm not talking about to me but listening to yourself and combine that with music and sweat and community and rhythm you know it has a tendency to lead to catharsis yeah it's amazing so when you were I guess the the beginning stages of the class could you get into like some of the struggles or like hurdles you faced rather of like getting it off the ground yeah well it was definitely a bit of a rogue form of movement. I never found it to be that strange because it just felt so good to me, but people would roll their eyes all the time, leave class. You know, I would hear just not, I would just hear unkind things from people in the neighborhood making fun of me and being like, what is this girl doing? She's ridiculous. There, this is nothing. This is never going to be anything. The reason why that kind of last sentence never hit me as opposed to, you know, when people would make fun of me, of course, I'm a human being. And when you're exposing yourself with the intention to heal and then you get hit by, un, you know, people that are intentionally trying to hurt you, it hurts, of you course. know? So uh, that was the biggest part. The idea that people were almost projecting the idea that I was trying to make something of it, it, it I almost disassociated from that because I never realized what it was going to be. Uh, I didn't have a business plan and the intention of like, let's see what we can do. And, you know, it was just one day after the next, one day after the next, more people would come. What do I do next? What do I do next? You know, that's where I was living. It was really the judgment and the kind of just, uh, people were just mean, you know? And that's, you know, when you're vulnerable, that's that gets in there. And I think anytime someone is trying to do something truly unconventional that people haven't seen it makes them uncomfortable and I think yes. it's easy to impart judgment yes. and you're just reflecting that negativity onto that person who's doing something that's so different so yeah I mean I'm glad you powered on and mm, made thank you. this happen you well know? the beautiful thing about the class it's very meta in that way where when this would happen I would bring it into the room 
and I would drop it in my body and I would allow myself to clear it physically. That's what we talk about in the room all the time. You're cleaning the body out of somebody else's opinion, of their energy, of things you've touched physically, emotionally, mentally, things you've put in your body through your mouth and otherwise. And that's the kind of movements that we're doing to clean your body out. So I was able to at least usher it along quicker and use the things that were going on in the room to evolve even more, to allow myself to continue to stay in the work because I was able to clean it and not get taken out by it, you know? I mean, it like it's crazy because it could sound woo, but it's not. Like, having experienced it, I just... Like, I'm such a strong proponent because, like, you really can, like, heal your body through certain sorts of movement and creating that space. And, like, I remember the last time I did it, I came out of it and I was like, I feel like a brand new person. Like, I feel like I've purged something Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. It's very cool. Well, and that's the thing. I'm such a skeptic myself. So I would, I, you know, I understand how people view some of these things as woo-woo because they're esoteric. And that's why we get people in through the music and through the movement and the creating the space of like do it or don't. And once people realize like it's, it's a, you know, it's a hard workout. We are, we are working through it in there. Oh my gosh. And it's it's not like sore muscles, sweat, tears, all the things. (laughs) And when you actually feel it as opposed to somebody just saying it and that's why it's so hard like you've said and other people you hear all the time it's so hard to describe because it's the teacher engaging one in their own personal experience of themselves so it's unique and it's hard to describe in that way because it's you yeah it's amazing so fast forward to now you've obviously had so much success you know you have celebrity clients like you're so just you've like you're so well known so when was the first time that you got you know a, like do you remember the first time you got a major piece of traction where you felt like, oh, wow, like this could really be something. I do. I remember it was about three weeks after I decided to give the class and in the class and bring it over to this kid's dance studio that I taught out of for a couple of years. And somebody had sent uh, Alexia and Melise from Well and Good over when they were still getting going to. And they came to class and they left and they emailed me and they're like, hi, we want to bring somebody else to class. And the go-to for me was, oh, they were just making fun of me and they want to bring somebody else to make fun of me, you know, and which is just wild in retrospect. And then they brought somebody else and then they said they wanted to come back a third time. And they did. And then they ended up writing this long article calling me um, a fitness phenom and just all of this kind of crazy stuff. And I remember being really blown away by it because they wrote about what I was doing and I never read about somebody else's view of what I was doing and it mirrored back what I was doing. So it made me realize, wow, there people are, can actually understand this. So I, you know, I, I, they have a really special space in my heart for that because they gave me the courage to keep going when I was really nervous and confused, which is exactly what courage is, right? Early adopters, right? I feel like some yeah. people are just m- much more like, open-minded to any sort of business or any sort of phenomena that's like a little different but that's what early adopters do they're the ones who like see it and they're the trailblazers and they sort of like push that thing along so I think it's really cool that you had that you know thank you what a great experience um Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. I wanted to talk about breath work because it's a huge component of the class and I wanted to ask you why is it so important? Well for me the breath is the anchor for everything So when you're moving, when you're sitting, when you're thinking, when you're feeling, 
if you're connected to your breath, it's the anchor. And I call these things grounding cords in my life sometimes, the things that keep you grounded in your body. And step one, the awareness that you're not breathing. Step two, awareness that you can breathe. And it allows you an anchor. So that's the key for me. And when the breath is controlled in a way, you're able to control the nervous system. And then that's when you're able to stay in intensity longer. It's amazing. So if someone doesn't have access to the class and they want to start working on their breath at home, what can you advise? Like any tips? Yeah. Breathe in, breathe out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it would, uh, it, I would just sit and close your eyes and watch the space that the breath enters through your nostrils and follow it down into the bottom back lobe of your lung, feel your rib cage expand and then fully exhale out. So it's just really simple and then follow it in and then follow it out. And you know, put even a timer on, do it for three minutes. It's the, the beautiful thing about a, a practice of any sort, if you do it and then you're aware of the impact is when you decide if you wanna to continue to take the practice forward. So start there, do it for a minute, and then notice if it had an impact on your mental state, on your anxiety, on your fill in the blank, and then decide to continue to do it or not. What's the key difference between meditation and breath work? Meditation is observation of thought and breath is breathing. So you use oftentimes the internal drishti, internal gazing point around the nostrils to follow the breath as a tool to be aware of thought. So observing thought as opposed to attaching to thought, two different practices. Cool. So I also wanted to talk about the vocal element in your classes. Like as you were discussing, like sometimes people release these like really guttural noises. And when I've done the class, like instructors kind of encourage you to make whatever noise your body is sort of bringing up. Yep. So uh, could you get into that a little bit? Why yeah. is that a component of the class? Well, it's interesting because before people come to class, they hear that, oh, I hear I have to scream and do burpees for 10 minutes. Never mind. You know, it, and it's not that where the teacher is really, there's a very specific design to how we teach the class. And the teacher is guiding people into specific spaces. And you're creating this uncomfortable feeling in the body safely by repeating the movement. So say it's a cardio move and you're floating one foot to the left, one foot to the right. The heart rate is accelerating. You're moving into practical reality. The blood needs oxygen. Supply it. We begin to breathe. You fix your gaze. Da -da -da -da. Then the teacher will invite somebody. So now bring something up that has been cycling in your mind, in your body, that you're obsessing about, that you're frustrated about, that's unexpressed. And then we'll continue, the teacher will get quiet again. And then you keep doing the movement. And then we'll say, and four, three, add the sound. And then it's ha, left, ha. You know, so the room starts doing it in tandem, but you're doing it after you've connected to your body and you're accessing to the thing that you would like to shift, aware that these things live in your body. So that's why we brought that in. It leaves a kind of a powerful acknowledgement to yourself that you're, you are ready to move it out of your body. And for me, sound, it just helps people clear this unexpressed fill in the blank, unexpressed celebration, unexpressed rage, unexpressed, you know, all of it. So, and then after the sound, we get really still and really quiet and we invite students to listen. And like I said earlier, when we say listen, I'm not talking about to me, you know, the, the intelligence inside the body that is ever present if I have found sometimes you have to get really loud to get quiet 
but that's just been my practice and I'm just sharing it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Um, okay, so the class is obviously expanding so quickly. You have a bunch of locations and um, I saw that something you're now offering is the cleanse and I wanted you to get into exactly what that is. Yeah, the cleanse is a way to uncover your habits around food, understanding and using food as a way to nourish and heal your body as opposed to use it to self-loathe and self-lacerate and all these things that we do um, or, or one does or I've done around food. So getting in touch with the action and then the effect. So you eat something, you eat it slowly, you make it with your own hands. How do you feel after? Does it resonate any differently? Does it digest differently? Um, the, the awareness of when you eat, of how you eat, of why you're eating, understanding tools to interrupt reasons that you're trying to fill something that food cannot fill, right? And then as opposed to using food as a band-aid around it, to use tools to take a moment to get in touch with what the feeling really is. It's essentially the class with food. And then it's a 10-day program that we slowly kind of acknowledge and unwind habits. And then at the end of it, really acknowledge how you f are feeling and then decide what parts of the practices. There's rituals and routines and bedtime routines and all the things involved with it to help one feel more integrated in their physical body, clear in the mind, you know, peace in the mind, love in the heart, kind of sensations, but toward yourself. I love that. And I think you make such a good point because it's true. Like, I think that now I think people are talking about it more openly, but there is this almost like self-loathing when it comes to food and it's that overly restrictive or like just putting yourself down if you mm. eat something like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's nice that you discuss the emotional aspect of eating as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I struggle with it all the time. So, mm -hmm. you know, I know when I'm feeling really stressed out, I just want to chew something. I just want to chew something. And then you know, you use it later to be like, I can't believe I did that. And then now you're in the power of thought where all you're doing is repeating how upset you are with yourself out loud to everyone around you in your head. And now you're in a cycle. So learning how to interrupt the cycle so it doesn't become pattern and then live in the subconscious and become your new normal. Also, I think emotional eating, there is something, it's it's definitely like a thing everyone does. And when you take a second, like I was doing, in March, I did a three-week um, elimination diet mm -hmm. and I was doing the Dr. Alejandro Younger Clean Program. Yep. Um, and part of it, it's like, it's three meals and you should be aware if you feel like you're stress eating. And a lot of the times I'd be like, I'm not hungry. Why am I reaching for that? You yeah. know, that awareness, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So it's really interesting that you, that like that is a part of the cleanse. I think it's amazing. Yeah. It's just getting in touch with your behavior around food yeah. and using it to nourish and feel better. I think it's you know? awesome. Yeah. So are there certain things like food groups that you avoid during the cleanse or is it just more so like yeah, the way it's, you're eating? It's seasonal and it's anti-inflammatory. So um, you know, in the fall, you'll be eating root vegetables just to get in touch with the way that the body needs to ground out in the summer. And in the spring, we flush all of that heaviness from the body from the winter. So you'll be eating much lighter vegetables. Um, you know, the, the, in the foods that create inflammation, I do believe in the summer that you can eat tomatoes. <laughs> Donna James, who we've worked with on this is kind of one that I've ideated on this a bit with it's growing from the earth and it's delicious and it's local. So thing, you know, it's seasonal. So things like that, I'm not really black and white around, but 
we do ask people to tune into how they feel after they eat these things and then notice if there is something that's impacting their stomach or digestive system or bloat, inflammation, um, and then use themselves as their own case study to educate themselves about themselves. Yeah, I think it's really important. Yeah. I think it's really important that we are all more like in tune with our bodies and like figure out if certain things irritate us and if they don't. Yeah, because I think everything's just clumped into these big clusters these days. Oh, totally. And, you know, you don't really know, and then all of a sudden you binge off the thing because you're depriving yourself of the thing, and then you're telling everybody you have the thing and the allergy to the thing, and then all of a sudden you're in the thing. You know, it's just like, wow, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, using food as a way to heal and allowing it to inform you from a really like kind generous way to your own self how how do you usually eat do you do you also use the cleanse like regularly yeah. i mean i love the cleanse and i usually do it twice a year but on the daily i, I wake up i i will work out and then i big fan of intermittent fasting i just feel good on it yeah um and then i'll have something light around 11 usually some sort of uh, smoothie or something that's easy to digest and move along. I want to get really specific. Like, what is in your smoothie? Okay. <laughs> so let's so let's think. I love this pumpkin smoothie that I make, which is pea protein powder, a can of pumpkin, almond milk, um, spinach, ice, uh, cardamom, cinnamon, nutmeg. And then I blend I'm, that thing I'm, up like I'm like crazy. drooling. <laughs> I, like I want that right now. I'm in the middle of my intermittent fast. Like I'm it's, going to eat right after it's I see It's delicious. <laughs> and I know that's fall and we're in, you know, we're not in the fall right now, but close to. So um, that's like a smoothie that I love. Um, I don't usually put fruit in my smoothies. So that's why I like the pumpkin or something along those lines. But I do put a lot of spinach in them all. Spinach and a lot of ice. And then, you know. You don't even taste it. I always tell people, like, add spinach to your smoothies. Don't even taste it. It's like the smartest way to get greens in. Smoothie is like a great, like, mixing pot. Just put the stuff in. in. I'm so with you. (laughs) Um, Yep. And then then around lunchtime, which is usually around two-ish, there'll be some sort of fish situation. I'm definitely very pescatarian in the way I eat with... I'm obsessed with rolling everything in the large sheets of seaweed. So oh, I'm obsessed it's like with seaweed. Same. So it's so like good. grill up some fish or, you know, whatever it is and put it in the seaweed and then add all the things. Add the spinach and the bean sprouts. And I yeah. love doing arugula with guacamole rolled up. But, you know, I'll eat like 10 of those. It's not like, you know, so I'll eat kind of that in some volume. Try to chew slowly. Um, early afternoon snack, you know, four-ish where I end up, this is just a normal weekday. I end up in the snack um, bin here at work, just downing kind of almond butter packets, which is not ideal, but that's usually because I've not planned something. Um, and then dinner is usually a little bit of the same as lunch, some sort of fish or big vegetable salad situation, some salmon. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty straightforward, but. You know, I my weight fluctuates pretty easily, so I have to be tuned into it. And I found that when I am eating in an organized way, everything feels more settled, including the way that I feel in my body. So I try to stay a bit organized around it. It also all sounds delicious. Yes. I want to try this rolling in seaweed trick so now. So good. Oh, my gosh. Like Get to it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like going home and making it. <laughs> okay, so how do you practice self-care? Hmm. I mean, the, I've always joked that the class feels like 
the biggest self-care it for me. It really does. Yeah, but, I see that. <laughs> but in the most practical, like in the way of outside of the movement that I love and do, um, I love to lay on my biomat at home with the chi machine on. Wait, what is that? It's this crazy big amethyst thing that has all of these radio frequencies that help balance and recalibrate your system. I sound like a complete kook right now, <laughs> but it works. It's very grounding, especially after you've been flying and the chi machine, you put your ankles in and it moves back and forth. And, you know, I mean the way that people used to adjust their chi, like you go swimming, you go into the river, but granted we live in New York city and I just love the way I feel when I've laid on those things. I usually put a mask on my face. I'm a huge mask girl. So I'm always any favorites. with <laughs> Yeah, Barbara um, Sturm, oh, I'm obsessed with. Obsessed with her. Yeah, she's yeah. like, oh, yeah, she's, everything she's she got, makes. <laughs> yeah, she really has an incredible, um, you know, natural. Like, I'm, I'm obsessed with natural products. Like, I love all the Walita products. Like, their, their skin food. I love. I'll put that on as a mask sometimes, not the light one. Um, just when I lay down as a hydration mask. Uh, Dr. Devkin has. Dr. Laura Devkin has a magnetic mask that's volcano wow volcanic. I gotta try so that. those are the three that I usually go go in between um and then you know for me a lot of self-care too is hanging out with your friends and the ones that you don't feel like you have to like tell a story to or posture in front of or any of you just feel at ease um and the same thing goes with my kiddos you know when I just kind of get down on the floor and laugh and play all the kid games that I get bored of in like 10 minutes but you clock those 10 <laughs> minutes in and you're like all right I'm all good you know so you know you can use like the the companionship of humans as self-care in my opinion oh definitely I, I definitely agree especially when you have a really busy job I feel like taking that time out and yeah. it's it's important it's therapeutic it's good for the soul yeah it really is. I like that you talk about that because it's something so simple that everyone can do. Like, yeah. and it is self-care, definitely. Yeah, and just be mindful of who it is that you're reaching out to. I've said that to people before that, you know, you I have a beautiful sacred circle of people that I love and adore uh, around me. And you have to know if you're in a vulnerable state in life not to go out with certain people that trigger you. Absolutely. You know, just know who it is that you're reaching out to and even help them say, you know, say, say to them, like, I'm feeling really, really sensitive right now. And I just need a friend to sit and like laugh and not talk about anything heavy with or whatever, you know, like give people the tools to help you. And then you're basically teaching them how to treat you. And then they treat you the way that they want to be treated. And it becomes this beautiful, symbiotic, loving relationship. A hundred percent. Like even sometimes when something's going wrong or something's bothering me, like I'll call up a friend or, yeah. you know, like my brother or whoever it is and just be like, can you just listen to me? Like, I don't yeah. need you to give me any advice right now. Just like hear yeah. me vent. Like yeah. that's it. You know, and I say that to people all the time when I'm in conversation and I'm just listening. Cause you know, you can tell when somebody's really wanting to just be heard and then, you know, you get quiet for long enough. And then if there's enough stillness, I'll, I'll say, you know, are you open for feedback? because you don't want to just jam your opinion down mm -hmm. somebody's throat. Mm -hmm. And when they say yes, you know, then you'll give it. But sometimes people say no. And I think that's such a beautiful way to be in relationship with people. So you know how to hold space for them to be heard and you know how to be there for advice if you need to be. I love that. So talk, talk to me about your morning routine because this is something I love learning about. <laughs> it's a long one. Somebody just interviewed me the other day to ask about my evening routine. And I was like, oh my God goodness is that real but you know it just becomes a ritual so it's gonna Absolutely. sound longer than it really is 
Um, I wake up usually before my alarm goes off uh, with the sunrise, especially nowadays. Actually, usually earlier than I even want to, like 4.30. But um, wake up, get out of bed, nice big old kind of stretch. I have some lower back stuff. So a couple rounds of breath, go to the bathroom, brush my teeth, scrape my tongue. I wash my face with another way of self-care we were talking about. Yes. Um, Wulita has the most beautiful milk cleansers that you put on a cotton ball. And I don't know why, but for some reason that just feels so kind of therapeutic. Um, and then I usually put a mask on after that. Um, sometimes the, uh, D- Dr. Sturm, Strom, I always call her the wrong name, which is ridiculous because she's a friend of mine, but I've confused my head around that. <laughs> um, or the, Joanna Vargas has an awesome exfoliating mask. I've heard, put I've on. heard great things. Yeah, great, great. Um, and then I go downstairs. I just moved and I have a, a, a little, a little mini duplex and I make my coffee which is usually I'll do some sort of a version of making the coffee, putting in the Vitamix, adding cashew, oh no, cacao butter with um, a couple of things that I put in my smoothie actually. I'll do, but I'll do Vital Proteins collagen creamer and then I do almond milk and then sometimes throw some flavorless things in there, blend that thing up until it's frothy, drink that, uh, and then meditation time. Usually at this point, if I have my kids with me, I will have go- gone and gotten them dressed and done some sort of variation of like, get yourself dressed, do this, we have 20 minutes. And then I go and meditate every morning. So How long do you meditate for? You know, I like to aim for 20 minutes, but sometimes it ends up being five, depending on the morning and like the cadence of it. Um, it's so important and it's the first thing to go and it's so important and it's the first thing to go. So I'm almost giving myself that reminder right now. Um, it really sets the tone for the day. And then if it's during the school year, it's time to get the kids out the door. So then it becomes the whole like brush your teeth while I'm like taking my mask off and then, you know, putting all the creams and things on and doing the hair, packing my bag with, you know, I wear my workout clothes cause I'm going to usually go teach and then pack for after the workout. You know, it's the whole thing. And then, um, usually drop them off at school, usually go to teach, head to the office and then the day begins. Love it. Yeah. Um, long-winded way of saying it all. Oh, I, I love hearing about morning routines because I have this whole ritual as well. And I'm just, I feel like a good morning and starting it off right with like all the tools that make me feel calm and sort of in the right headspace. Yeah. It just puts me in like the best mood for the whole day. Yeah. And even just the feelings of like taking care of your skin and like taking time when you put lotion on or oils on to like really you know, take your time with it, like, and give yourself a moment just to kind of settle yourself and ground yourself. I know that I get launched into the day sometimes and I'm like, you know, and you're just like, holy, you know, so (laughs) it's good to just take a few moments to stabilize yourself before you hit the road. Agreed. Um, okay. So before we wrap, tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, you can go to theclass.com. And I really want to say TarantuMe.com because that's the website, but it's so funny. I'm oddly uncomfortable about saying that it has my name on it. Um, so theclass.com will reroute you to TarantuMe.com. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's the strangest thing. I have this weird, uncomfortable thing about my name being on it, but uh, here I am talking to you. So I guess uh, there it is. <laughs> and any social media? Yeah, I'm TarantuMe on social media and uh, on uh, Instagram. And the class is um, Instagram for for work. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Taryn. Thank you. 
Wait, do you want to receive a short email from me with exclusive content every week? Sign up to the Icing and Glitter newsletter and I'll send you my top five skincare secrets along with a weekly email with bite-sized tips and tricks, giveaways, recipes, and so much more. I'll leave the details in the show notes. Mm -hmm.